to go. Blog Talk Radio. Where's my phone? Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind, in your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Rand Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ, memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. And we have New York Times author Richard North Patterson here with a breakthrough new novel that is absolutely everybody has to read, Trial. A black 18-year-old voting rights worker, Malcolm Hill, is stopped by a white sheriff's deputy on a country road in rural Georgia. His single mother, Allie, America's leading voting rights advocate, restlessly awaits his return before police inform her that Malcolm has been arrested for murder. And there's a whole lot more. Good morning, and welcome to MJ Network. I am so excited. Well, great to be with you, Fran. So tell me, I I have the questions in front of me. If there's anything that you want me to skip over, just let me know, because I got carried away, seriously, when I came to come up with questions for this. Not to worry. I'll, you, do my, I'll do my best to answer. Okay, wait a minute. Put this so I can see what I'm doing. <laughs> um, when creating the first scene between Malcolm and George, what do you hope readers realize from the start? And I realized, because, you know, I watched all those police programs, murder, accident, suicide, and all of those, and um, or everything that you could possibly want, killer families. What protocols did the sheriff not follow besides that? Well, virtually everything. He should have had a, yeah. uh, a body camera, for one thing, uh, and, a, and his dash camera on, and he didn't. So what I really tried to create here was to put the reader in Malcolm's place and to feel the fear that Malcolm feels. Mm. So he's an 18-year-old kid. Uh, he's had too many beers with his friends after a day uh, working on voting rights and registering voters. Um, he knows that there are lots of people who hate his mother, um, uh, mm-hmm. particularly because she's registering a lot of black people. He makes him a target, too. And suddenly he's stopped by the sheriff, and it's dark. There's no streetlights. There's no witnesses. And I put the reader in Malcolm's place because only the reader and Malcolm mm. know what's happening. And so when um, there's a fight and Malcolm kills the deputy, he starts to murder. The reader is the only person other than Malcolm who actually knows the truth, not his mother, uh, not the congressman who turns out to be his father, not his lawyer, not the prosecutor, nobody. Um and I think that's what creates, uh, you know, a lot of the um, suspense because Malcolm mm-hmm. has the burden of knowing what happened and not being able to convince people. That that's what gets me is that right away you know that this is racially biased and, and based, and you can understand why the, his mother was there. The, the just the cop's manner of speech and the way he acted towards him, I wanted to punch him in the head. I mean, really. How dare you treat anybody like that? So Allie was worried, and her job, why did her job create this problem? 
Well, um, and this is a, a very real situation because as yeah. we discussed before we went on, I did a lot of research, and among the people I talked to was the head of uh, Georgia's leading voting rights group, which was instrumental in registering a lot of uh, people mm. of color and in tilting the election in favor of Biden um, in 2020. That creates a lot of hatred, I and mean, this woman had her a picture and home address put up in the internet by white nationalists. Mm. Uh, she has constant death threats. Uh, she has to have security. Her offices uh, frequently have have uh, uh, bomb threats. Um, and so, um, by extension, members of her family uh, are mm. also targets. And so, when we find Allie pacing, waiting for Malcolm to come home, and of course Malcolm doesn't, um, she is feeling incredibly guilty about putting her son um, in this position by allowing him to do the work that she is so passionate about. But he didn't. We wouldn't have it any other way, I don't think. No, I think he Malcolm, wouldn't. he became passionate about it. I did, too. As I was like, I wish I could help. It's, it's important, <laughs> especially what's going on with these riots and these protests and stuff. They really need to understand that everybody's the same and nobody's better than anybody else. That's wrong. So who is Spinetta and what was his role? Well, you know, Nick Spinetta is the cop who comes along after the fact um, and arrests Malcolm. And we don't don't learn uh, until way deep in the book that Spinetta has a friendship with the dead sheriff and may, may have important information which would help Malcolm's defense. But he's torn between his friendship for the widow, uh, his loyalty to his uh, dead friend, um, and his obligation to the justice system. Um, But, you know, one thing I I, I really did want to say is, touches Mm -hmm. on what you were remarking on a second ago, uh, uh, Fran, which is that the only reason I wrote this book in return to fiction after nine years away was mm-hmm. that I really wanted to focus on uh, America's racial problems, uh, mm-hmm. voter suppression, uh, white the rise of white nationalism, the exploitation of racial anger and anxiety by uh, right-wing politicians and media, um, the abuse of legal system uh, um, based upon racial bias. And all of those things, I think, are, are, are issues that we all should care about but not enough of us do. Um, my late friend Pat Conway um, mm-hmm. once said that fiction is where I go to tell the truth. And so I wrote this book to tell what I perceive to be some of the truths about America's racial problems. I, I agree with you, and I think the media feels it also. And a lot of the newscasters feel it also, and a lot of the politicians feel it also with their racial biases, and that's sad. Because people people need to be given a free chance. I mean, we have the problem up here with immigrants that just were just sent here, up into Westchester. We've got they they had sixty thousand immigrants that came up to Westchester County, and now they're banning them from certain hotels and stuff. And they didn't do the right protocols when they brought them here. They didn't even immunize them. So that's becoming a problem too, and that 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 is really bad. Well, I think I think one thing that we have to confront in, in this country is that race is a continuing problem. Uh, yeah. It's still a driving force in our politics, um, I, and we are 
that's still badly racially polarized and culturally mm-hmm. polarized. And, I mean, fiction is a way of asking readers to enter into an imaginary world, but also mm-hmm. to address real real issues. And so I was hoping by writing this book that I would uh, have my audience, uh, which includes a lot of white folks, obviously, think about the issues mm-hmm. of race in a new and different way. Um, you know, I think it's really important that literature cross the lines of mm. identity um, to invite people to use their empathy and their imagination. Not only that, a lot of these people use their wealth and their power in order to get things done, too, and that's not right either. That bothers me. Well, yeah, well, that's a whole other subject, the way we finance our campaigns. But, <laughs> um, you know, for sure. But, you know, to do this book, and he, again, you and I were talking about this before we, we went on. I mean, mm-hmm. I did a lot of research. I went to Georgia, and I talked to over 50 people, um, you know, a good half of them black, you know, whether they were ministers, mm-hmm. defense lawyers, civil rights lawyers, voting rights workers, law enforcement officers, community leaders, ordinary people, whatever, so that I could really incorporate their voices and their experiences into this into this this novel. I mean, as a white guy, uh, if I'm going to write about black characters um, and issues that affect black people in particular, mm. then I really have to go and talk to people where they live and about what they've experienced. And that's what I did. No, you certainly did, and you did a great job because I couldn't put this down. They were like close to well, that's the so plan for sure. It's almost 600 pages. And I looked at it and I go, oh God, why? And then all of a sudden, I just said, I just sat down and read it in less than two hours. I just couldn't put it down. So, that, seriously, I'm a quick reader, but then I had to reread parts to make sure. Now, the character that I really liked a lot, besides Malcolm and Allie, was Al Garrett. Why did he protect him? Because I was afraid when they said he was arrested that something was going to happen in, you know, in jail in the cells. One of the people I, I interviewed was the first black, first elected black sheriff of Sumter County, Georgia, which is a county, rural mm-hmm. county in southwest Georgia with a, a really tough racial past and present. Um, mm-hmm. But he is somebody who is such a even-handed good law enforcement officer uh, that he got himself elected with a fair amount of white support. In talking mm-hmm. to the sheriff was really an inspiration for the character of Al Garrett. And Al, and because he he was elected with white support, but also black support, Al Garrett also illustrates how important it is to have representation in our public offices. Um, and if he had been a bigoted white guy, like the sheriff's deputy mm-hmm. Malcolm uh, shot in the tussle, uh, then Malcolm would have had even less of a chance than he had. So. It was it was fun to write Al Garrett, and I I owe Sheriff Bryan an assist on that one. Well, I really, I really liked him, and I said he's really stuck his neck out for him, and a lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would have worried about themselves first, no matter who they are. So yeah, this, for this, sure. Now the second part of the plot, people, it gets complicated. This is even better. Chase Bravado is a congressman, and he sort of turns green when he sees Malcolm's photo. So how did that come into play? Because he was like, "Oh God." Well, here, here's, here's, you know, the uh, for 
for people who obviously haven't read the book, uh, here's 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 the setup. Um, Chase Brevard is a wealthy white liberal congressman from Massachusetts, and he's forty. People are looking, starting to look at him and say, "Hey, that guy could be senator. Uh, he could even mm. one day be president." Um, but the one thing he doesn't have in his life is a family. So he's watching mm-hmm. television in the morning, and Morning Joe comes on, and Mika Brzezinski's doing the news, and there's a report on the fact that Malcolm Hill, uh, son of Ali Hill, has been arrested for the, for in, the, in, the, in the fatal shooting of, of a white sheriff's deputy. And he looks at this young man's yearbook picture, and he looks at his smile, and he says, oh, my God, that's me. Because mm-hmm. he was in love with Ellie in college. Um, and then she broke it off and didn't tell him uh, that she was pregnant. So suddenly we have um, this congressman knowing for the first time that he has a son, a black son, you know, as America would have it, who is potentially facing capital murder, murder charges in, in Georgia. And it brings him back into um the life of Allie, who he hasn't seen for 18 years. It brings him a life of a son he didn't know uh, he had and who doesn't know he exists. Um, and so this book is only about the issues of, of race, but it's about issues of parenthood, family, uh, love lost and found, mm-hmm. and father and son trying to find their way to each other. It's about an awful lot of things and how many people in real life, I mean, Chase happens to have morals and scruples, and he wanted, you know, to he realized he had a son. So how many other people would have just ignored it and walked away and said, I don't want to know what he does? Well, one the of the book, tensions in this book is, is, is that this really puts his political career on the line because there are yeah. a lot of people in the country who think that Malcolm is a murderer. And for uh, Chase to become involved and then to acknowledge that he's Malcolm's dad, puts his mm-hmm. whole future the thing he's worked hard for at stake. And it's a moral dilemma for him, but he answers it uh, in the only way I think that a, a parent could. And he also, he loves Allie. He still loves Allie. Um, so that's an important element in this as well. That's amazing. Now, the other character that I love is Jabari Ford. He was perfect to try the case. So how come you you know you how did you create him, and then what was what was um, Ali's reaction or Chase's reaction when they see each other? Well, I created him by talking to uh, black defense lawyers in Georgia who defended mm. tough cases in rural jurisdictions, and I asked them about their experiences. I asked them about they, how they looked at things. I asked them um, uh, about how they tried to. Um, pick a jury on combat racial prejudice, ask them about all the difficulties they'd had, and their stories really informed um, the way Jabari Ford defends the case in the way that the trial is is is, uh, is presented. So, um, you know, that was you know that was really enlightening for me. I really couldn't I you know I couldn't do this book frame with all the without all the research I did, but I think it gives it a realism. Uh, a lot of fiction doesn't have. The problem for Jabari Ford is the last thing he thinks he needs is a white congressman coming down here taking an interest mm-hmm. in the case. Uh, he doesn't want the controversy. Uh, he doesn't want Chase around. Chase is a former prosecutor, but he doesn't want. Any, but Jabari doesn't want 
Chase second-guessing him. And as far as, as Javari is concerned, Chase can't leave town a moment too soon. Um, um, so um, uh, that's the, there's the initial tension between Jabari and Chase because Jabari doesn't know why Chase is there. Um, um, mm. So he can't sympathize with Chase on a human level. He just wants him gone. Well, you can't blame him at first, but then you never no, know. No, not at all. So this it's called Blue Georgia, right? And in Chapter 2, you you can tell. This was, I read Chapter 2 three times. Chapter 2, Part 2. You created the scenes on both sides wanting justice, yet so many are so close-minded. That's what's really sad. Well, if you think about how polarized our country mm-hmm. is, I mean, you, the, the George Floyd case in the, in the Black Lives yeah. Matter demonstrations afterwards, really, you know, there were a lot of people that were sympathetic. A lot of people said, you know, what are you complaining about? I think it's mm. very hard for white people sometimes to accept that, you know, justice in this country with respect to blacks has frequently been infused with racial bias. Mm. It, it, it bothers me. I grew up in the South Bronx. In a tough neighborhood. And I guess maybe I grew up differently because I didn't look at people as other than being people. It didn't bother me that my best friend was black. Her father was chief of police. It didn't bother me. It's like, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> friends, whatever. I mean, it it just you just didn't think about it back then. Again, maybe it was different. But maybe it, it wasn't, and I just chose not to care. So why are Allie and Chase both in danger? And tell us about Malcolm and the night that the video created the open racist remarks against him. That was what really started it. Well, Malcolm makes the mistake of yeah. posting a video by a, uh, a rap artist who basically asserts that because um, mm. uh, white police have been involved in uh, uh, in r- racial uh, prejudice against, against black people and in some cases in, in the fatal um, arrests of black people that it really is okay for black people to declare war on white police no matter whether uh, the particular policeman is a good cop or not and because Malcolm in a moment of anger posts this on Facebook it becomes mm-hmm. evidence at trial that he in fact was looking to kill the sheriff's deputy rather than it be the accidental shooting which the reader knows in fact that it was well, I bet you have so many books like that and so many stories like that that that, it, that it's scary. So I just finished another one, and the, the book was based on uh, January 6, 2020. So what is the significance of that in this book? Because that, it's going to only come out with the with his indictment or whatever if they ever decide to really do anything about him. Well, I mean, the the the, the tape, of course, is, is, is deadly. What you mm-hmm. you know for uh, what you mentioned, of course, uh, about with, with respect to um, January sixth. I mean, yeah. I use the real background, political background mm-hmm. of America, um, to illuminate the issues in this case because we know um, that you know the our 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 presidential election of twenty twenty was permeated with a lot of race and racial anxiety. Um, and we're in a very volatile time in our country. So I wanted to bring that to the fore as well. 
I just finished a book on it. It's called Second Term by J.D. Adams, and it's based on exactly that, There's, uh, the significance of uh, the of January 6th, because the book does take place, and they do something on January 6th in the book, and they go, oh, my God, if that happens again. So tell us about George Bullock and his wife. Well, um, George Bullock is the uh, sheriff's deputy. We know that he's mm. a racist. Um, yeah. And he also dies very early in the book when he, he and uh, Malcolm get in a fight over um, the gun that Malcolm has in his glove compartment. But to uh, the white citizens in uh, in um, the town, uh, he is uh, an upstanding law enforcement officer, uh, the scourge of drug dealers, uh, uh, a committed member of his church, uh, combined with his wife, uh, uh, a charitable, public-spirited citizen. And so the image that they have in public really works against Malcolm. And only Malcolm knows what this guy was capable of being like when there's nobody watching him. That's, that's even scarier. Well, if he, I guess if he would have had his body cam on and his camera and the other and the thing in the car, he would have somebody would have known. And that's that's made yeah, sports a lot did. lately. It's scary. So how do Chase and Ford relate, and why does Chase want to meet Malcolm, but he doesn't tell him why? Well, he figures that at first it would be just a, a terrible shock to Malcolm. And Chase doesn't mm. know what he's going to do about this dilemma for a while. And so he's mm. working out how to tell Malcolm, whether to tell Malcolm. Is he, is he becomes more and more uh, emotionally involved uh, with uh, um, with Malcolm and the fact that he has this son, but it's sort of a gradual process. I mean, imagine you know you're a, you're a, you're a guy you discover you have a son that you never knew you had who's been raised in a plant in, in a southern jurisdiction you have no comprehension of um, mm. in a way that's very different than you might have raised um, uh, a son, and that your son is subject to all the prejudice. Directed, you know, directed at black people because even though he's multiracial, American sees him as black. Um, so, you know, Chase goes through a whole complicated psychological journey um, to get to the place where he ends up, where he stands up and says, "Yeah, Malcolm is my son, and I'm here to stand by." That that took a lot of guts. And there were so many, so many cases of that, and so many kids that go through that in school. After all my years, you know, you have children coming in. My father's white and my mother's black. I said, so you have a mother and father. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, exactly right. It's more and more, more and more, uh, um, more and more true. So I have this is my pub date. I've got a bunch of things lined up that I have to do, uh, but I, I want I want to make sure that I hit on anything you want me to talk about, Fran. Oh, okay. I don't want to rush you, but okay. So what about the judge in this case? Well, the the way that I um, um, created him was, was by talking to two judges, one black and one white, about how they would try this mm. case and how they saw, um, you know, what the jury might be like, mm. how they saw the law working, um, and how they would try to handle a case that becomes really a national firestorm. Um, and so in creating a judge, I really had all that background 
from two very good judges in Georgia were incredibly helpful. How many questions can you answer? How much time do you have? Because I've got a whole bunch, and I don't want to keep you from what you have oh, to do. Uh, no, I've yeah, I've got a, I've got like about twelve interviews today. This is my pub day. Um, uh, I've got about five minutes. I figured we were going to go for about a half hour. Oh, I didn't know that, but that's okay. Um, so the trial brings what evidence is brought out. What is GSR in DNA, and where was it found? And then how does finally how does Malcolm react when? He finds out about two cases. Well, um, you know, GSR is gunshot residue, uh, and it can be used as evidence um, uh, to show how close you were um, to uh, the person you shot, perhaps the angle from which you shot the gun, and it can bear, and it has some bearing on on Malcolm's mm-hmm. story of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which he has to get the, the jury to believe, or he's slated for either life in, 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 in prison or, or or the death penalty. So, um, you know, that part was very important. I did a lot of work talking mm-hmm. to experts, um, you know, like forensics experts, ballistics experts, um, um, and, and uh, you know, a medical examiner, uh, so I could get all the all the details of the expert testimony right as well. Well, how did Malcolm react to this whole thing when he finds out the truth? I mean, that's hard for well, kids to understand. He, he, he's, he's angry because he feels, he feels he's been misled. Um, uh, you know, Chase shows up in his life and doesn't say who he is. He's angry at his mother for never telling him who his father was. Um, and he's deeply conflicted and emotionally confused in it takes Chase a while to yeah. really sort of fight his way through that. Uh, and a lot of the novel is about Chase's efforts to gain Malcolm's trust. Um, and, and, you know, Malcolm wanted a father, but he never imagined his father would be a rich white congressman from Massachusetts. Yeah. I mean, not in his wildest dreams. Um, so it's a very emotionally complicated thing as well. Everybody needs to read this. So in, in the end to end, in the end, do we see some radical changes, but in the truth, do you think people will allow people of different races fair justice and equal rights? And where do you see Chase and Ali and Malcolm? Well, I mean, that's something I've thought about. I leave, mm-hmm. I leave it open-ended. Um, yeah. I don't want to spoil the, I don't want to spoil the end for the reading, reader. But the reader can employ his or her own imagination, Fran, uh, to yeah. try to think about. What might happen to these people next? But it's clear that Chase and Allie love each other, and it's clear that Chase is committed to being a dad, and that Malcolm is open to that possibility. I know that that's amazing. It's even it's just as hard when you have um, a stepchild and you don't know that you're going to be bringing this person up forever. It's it's yeah. it's it's so this is so important. So what is next for you, and where can everybody get this book? Because it's great, and I do have well, a handout for this, by the way, quite a few. Well, well, thank you, thank you so much, so much, Fran. I really appreciate that. You can order it on Amazon, B and N, from mm-hmm. your local bookstore. It's out today, um, and the book, of course, is called uh, Trial. Um, so it should be uh, easy to find, um, and um, I'm just—I just hope that people read this book on a couple of levels. For 
an mm. exciting narrative of being what it's like to be caught up in a in the vortex of a, a high profile murder trial, uh, how this very complicated family works, and also how the issues of race in America affect the fate of Malcolm in particular, but also Allie and Chase. Well, I hope people read this with an open mind. And I hope that, that you get good press on this, too, because this is fantastic. And I think people need to be more open-minded and be realize that, you know, color lines need to be not drawn. People need to be treated the same way. I guess growing up, my, my father uh, owned a cleaning store in a tough area. And I worked there. It didn't even bother me. It never bothered me that it was black, white, or Spanish or anything. So I think people need to read this. And maybe they'll get a different perspective and think maybe the media needs to start looking at it with equal eyes. That's just my point of view. Well, I I hope so. And I really appreciate the spirit that you've brought to this interview, Fran. Really, you've been really great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And um, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Maybe next time we could do an hour. (laughs) Okay. All right. Terrific. No, I'm sorry. Apparently, apparently my, 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 uh, my, Publicists didn't give me the scoop or whatever, but yeah, they've they've got me busy today. That that's okay, no problem. Everybody, it's a beautiful day outside. It's going to rain tomorrow, but it's beautiful today. Richard, thank you so much. Everybody, have a great day, and bye. Oh, thank you, Fran. Take care now. Bye bye.